Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, certified life coach, and I am on a mission to liberate people to their authentic power and ideal self-expression. So what's a people pleaser? Well, those of us who are people pleasers are usually very loving and kind. We're empathetic. We also tend to prioritize other people's needs over our own, which leaves us feeling not seen and not heard. We're great at anticipating the needs of others and often put ourselves in second place. We're great doers and nurturers, and we often have the role of keeping the peace, whether it's in our families or in the workplace. Well, the first thing I wanna share with you is that there's nothing wrong with you. But we do wanna take some of these qualities of people pleasing that we focus so much on other people and turn them onto ourselves first, which turns them into our superpower. To find out more, listen to this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome everyone to this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I am super Super thrilled today to bring to you my guest, Amy Smith. You might have already listened to one of her podcasts or more. She has a podcast called The Joy Junkie, and we have so much in common and so many synergies. I'm just thrilled to be here with you today, Amy. And we're going to focus a little bit today on this concept of not enoughness that we've all felt, you know, we all have a story. You may, you know, any listener today could be feeling this way where you just have that underlying feeling that you're not good enough. And when we're there, it makes the concept even of setting boundaries just seem so impossible because we're starting from a place of not even feeling, you know, good enough, not feeling worthy, feeling like there's something wrong with us. I know I used to think that the words that came to me all the time in my, in my own mind, I didn't say them out loud, was that I was flawed and defective, Wow, which came a lot from my religious trauma, which we also share in common. So I'm sure we'll hit that today too. So with that, Amy, tell everybody a little bit more about you, your work, and your perspective on this not enoughness. Sure. Well, I'm very excited to be here. I know we have a lot of synchronicities. And my. so let me tell you just briefly about the work that I do, and then I'll share with you kind of the impetus and genesis of that. Uh, no biblical pun intended there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the genesis. <laughs> Perfect. So I, uh, I'm a life coach and a hypnotherapist, and I have been working in personal development for about 15 years. And the way I describe what I do is sort of twofold, which is perfectly parallel to what we're discussing today. And it is that I work with people, work with women specifically, those who identify as women on this concept of genuinely believing in their own intrinsic value, believing in their worthiness, believing that their voice matters, that they are enough, right? Our relationship to Mm. self. And then Mm -hmm. I work with the external piece of I do believe in myself, I do value myself, then how do I communicate that with the outside world? What does that look like as far Mm. as boundaries, tough conversations, learning to say no? So there, there are a litany of things that we don't know how to communicate about 
in our adult life, right? Mm-hmm. It's telling somebody not to touch your pregnant belly. It's telling mm-hmm. somebody that you were offended by something. It's telling mm-hmm. an in-law to butt out of your relationship. It's asking an adult child to move out of your house. Or in my case, telling your family that you don't subscribe to the religion you were raised in. So mm-hmm. that's sort of the work that I do in my corner of, of the yes. world where it's this internal component of enoughness and this external component of communication. So I'll tell you a little bit about how that came to pass, because I know you've talked on your show before, too, about how so many of us who are teachers in the world had to learn our own sorted les- lesson in order to be be in that position. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and so I, too, grew up in a very conservative, born-again Christian family, and my father had a master's in divinity and a doctorate in ministry. So he was not mm. fucking around. Mm-mm. Right. So there was wow. a lot, a lot going on there. Yeah. And a lot of the 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 things that I know you're familiar with, where it's like your body can't be trusted, your intuition can't be trusted, a lot of motivation through guilt and fear. Yes. And for a little bit of context, I'm the oldest of of three. And my two younger brothers, well, I'll just say by all accounts, I was the good kid. They, they both did jail time, had Mm -hmm. trouble with the law, uh, didn't go to school, all of those sorts of things, no judgment, but there was a concophony of things. And I started working when I was 14, put myself through college, got married young, moved out of the house, very self-sufficient, high achiever. So, you know, in comparison, it was like, I really had my shit together. And so things came to a head in 07 when my father passed away and he was, Mm. he was a beautiful, incredible human. And at the time I was working in makeup artistry. So I decided that I was going to do his makeup for his viewing, for his funeral. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also, because I felt like it would be a dick move to be like, dad, get your own makeup artist. You know, when I had this <laughs> skill set, <laughs> right? you know, I was like, no, 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 move over. I'm, I I'm doing it. Yeah. I, I got it. And, and I also spoke and there, it was hundreds of people there because of his life's work, et cetera. So we get back home to my mom's house and I'm feeling like I'm winning at daughter and, okay. you know, this is the dead dad portion of the of right. the show. And right. <laughs> dead dad makeup. Everybody needs one, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so we get back home to my mom's house and she finds it the most opportune time to say that she feels as though her my father and her had failed as parents because all three of us were not, quote, walking with the Lord. So it was Ooh. this complete dismissal of everything that I was, who I was. It didn't matter the the person I was in this world. I wasn't subscribed to that faith any longer. Therefore, I was this disappointment. And the only thing I could really yes. muster in that moment was to tell her, well, you probably shouldn't say that to a child. And, uh, and you know, I'm like, oh, it's a teaching moment. And she right. she said, well, that's just how I feel. And that was a defining moment. That was a very pivotal place for me where I realized setting a boundary or creating this place where you speak up for yourself is not always an ultimatum. 
it's not always right. I either choose you or I choose me. Right. Excellent. But- excellent. Excellent point. Because I think sometimes, so not to interrupt, don't, don't lose track of your story, but I think sometimes that's how we think of it, you know, yes. without really thinking it through. It's just like, oh, well, this is, I'm leaving you or I'm staying you know, or what it's in or out it's yes or no. And boundaries are so much more. There's so many more options than that in a boundary. So keep going. I love that. There's a huge spectrum to it. But in that moment, I realized if it did come to, I need to either choose to make you happy or make me happy. I'm Mm going to choose. I'm going to choose me. And, Mm -hmm. and then the sequence of events that followed, it was like this floodgate had opened because up until that time, I had always told my husband, like, okay, we're going to my parents' house. Don't cuss. Don't, don't talk about South Park. Don't talk about Jon Stewart. Don't talk about Howard Stern. Don't talk about like liberal agenda. Don't, you know, like it was, it was this sort of this facade, right? This veneer. And after that, after I kind of made that definitive choice of like, I'm not doing this people pleasing bullshit anymore, even with my family of origin. Right. Then it became this expansive time where I became incredibly adversarial and combative. And it wasn't until many very tumultuous conversations with my mom that I kind of unearthed and uncovered that you can actually speak up for yourself without being an asshole. You don't have to be so vitriolic. You can ask for a divorce and do that with the utmost grace and kindness. Mm -hmm. You know, you can express that something was offensive to you or that you're no longer going to tolerate a specific type of behavior. And you can do that with such compassion. And so that became then the message that I was really meant to deliver in this world. So mm-hmm. that was the, that was the beginning. That's beautiful. So I want to ask you something. This came up. I did an episode about this. Uh, I don't know, uh, six episodes or so ago. I can't remember about this idea that, because this was a question that came in from a listener where they felt like they, as they were sort of new at the game of, uh, or the new habit of speaking up for themselves, they found that they often came at it with anger, right? Like it was kind of, it was almost like they had to work themselves up to that to even get to where they could say it. And so I'm wondering, and I know I experienced it. Now I, my, I grew up in a family very similar to yours, although my dad wasn't the, um, you know, didn't have all that. My dad was the sort of the <laughs> rebel, but he also wasn't around. So it didn't help me much. Um, so, any, but anyway, that kind of strict religious, you know, very narrow um, yeah. thinking culture and anger also was just like, not allowed. Like you just couldn't get mad. It wasn't even, we don't even have to discuss that. We just know that. Okay. So I'm fairly slow to anger, but I can remember when I was with my first husband and my kids were young and I was kind of standing up for myself for the first times, just like to, you know, watch the kids so I can go to the mall with a girlfriend, like, just give me a break. I have four kids in seven years. That's a lot of momming, you know, going on there. And I would have to work myself into like a, 
tither just to get the courage to ask him. So I now, of course, the more I asked, the more I got used to asking for myself and I, and I didn't have to come at it with that. But I wonder if you kind of had your own, I guess it's a learning curve, you know, right. With even standing up for ourselves and being able to ask for something as innocent as can I go to the mall, you know, without the kids. Well, I think something that you're pointing to here, that's really important to understand about anger in particular as an emotion is that it's a secondary emotion, meaning Mm. that there Mm -hmm. is a primary emotion underneath that. So what does that look like? That looks like rage, shame, fear, Mm -hmm. resentment, disappointment, sorrow, dismissal, all these things that we feel in a relationship Mm-hmm. And then when we finally get the guts and the fuel up to advocate for ourselves, it manifests as anger. So one of the things that I would impart to this person who who commented this is to say, okay, excavate behind every instance of anger. If that's the mm-hmm. presenting emotion, what is the surface emotion? What's that primary emotion? Because that can help you unearth a lot of that. So I yes. would... I would guess that in your situation or also in mine, there was a lot of trauma. There was actual abuse that was happening at the hands of another person that was then inspiring emotions like fear or shame. Religion is lots of shame. Yes. Lots of fear and shame. Yes. Yeah. 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 And and you're you're so right. That's one piece of it. Yeah, but you're so right about that. So, so keep so, and the whole not enough. I mean, the shame and the not enoughness, you can't really separate those either because that's that not enoughness is just is born out of that shame. I don't know which comes first there, the chicken or the egg, probably doesn't matter, but it is that I didn't feel, of course, I wasn't thinking this consciously at the time. So don't, don't worry if this isn't how you've been thinking about it, but try this on and see if it fits folks. Um, I didn't feel good enough to be taking the time off from motherhood, which I perceived as my job, not his, it was mine. Of course. I mean, of course he's the dad and he does his, you know, he's like the icing on the cake but I was supposed to do the cake. That was my role. That was our, you know, whatever. That's right. Our unconscious collusion. But the truth is initially, I certainly did not feel good enough to be asking for that break. That's right. That's right. So talk, so take us through how you help people move from that place of just really not feeling good enough to right. even ask for what they want or say, no, you can't touch my pregnant belly right? or say, no, I don't want to have sex with you. Yes, exactly. Like even in a marriage, like I don't mean in a, I don't mean in a violent situation. I mean, even in a marriage or with a boyfriend or whatever, just to say no, that simple no. Yes. And you know, that's actually a really great caveat to mention too, everything that I teach around communication and speaking up for yourself is under the guise that we're not in a highly, highly abusive relationship. People Mm -hmm. do use abusive language here and there, but I'm not talking about situations where you're actually in clear and present danger. Mm -hmm. So just as a little bit of a side. That's a great side note because I I do, I like to give that same caveat to remember if you're with an abusive person, 
there's no boundary setting tool that is going to help you. That's you have exactly to get right. the fuck out of there yes. and then learn how to set boundary. You know, if you don't know how to set a boundary, that's okay. Get the fuck out and then learn how to set boundaries because there's no boundary that will help you when you're with an abusive person. So thank and, you and, for bringing that and up. And a lot of times people think there's something wrong with them if they're not yeah. implementing their personal development tools yes. correctly. So I did that. Yep. And it's I a stayed very different because I thought until I'm good at this with him, no. I'm not really good at it. And that's wrong. I should have left. I mean, I, you know, yes. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you, I, I have a metaphor that I use around this concept of enoughness. So the first thing that I will pose to everybody out there is what qualifies enoughness? And, and I'll say that we all use different wording around this. So the synonyms that I hear people use are either my value, mm -hmm. if I deserve something, my mm -hmm. worthiness, sometimes mm -hmm. if I'm lovable, if I am enough, all of those things, what we're essentially talking about is self-worth. Yes. We're talking about enoughness. Do I value myself? Now, the corresponding emotion to that is shame. Shame is I am wrong. Guilt is I've done something wrong. Shame is I'm intrinsically flawed. There's something mm -hmm. I'm marred. There's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. So I like to use this metaphor. And, you know, the question that I posed just a second ago, I would love for you to think about that because the idea of what constitutes enough, what would make me worthy? Mm -hmm. is always fucking elusive. We mm -hmm. think, well, if I'm thinner, okay, will you attain that? And you sure as fuck don't feel enough. So you have right. to change a new criteria. Now I have right. to reach for something else, right? It, right. There's really no way for us to qualify or quantify what enoughness means. Right. The idea behind that, and even if you look at the dictionary definition, it's one's own perception of value. It cannot be ascribed by another human. It is how you choose to believe about your worth. Yes. I think it's Wayne Dyer who says worth comes from one thing, believing that you are worthy. That's it. Uh, so here's the metaphor. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about you as your life is, is like a home. It's like a house. Okay? okay. And we, maybe we have the rooms that we show to everybody and we have the closet. We don't want anyone to see. And we've got all these intricacies and we've got these ways that we decorate it. And then we have people who come along in this proverbial home and they drop piles of shit on the porch of our house. Mm -hmm. These are the things that incur emotions such as uh, feeling rejected, dealing with criticism, sadness, the breadth of human emotion that's wildly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. When people don't like what we have to say, that's no matter how much personal development you do, that's still going to incur emotional pain that's going to hurt. So here's what we do typically as people pleasers or recovering people pleasers is we take that shit and we bring it into our home and we allow it to mar our home to soil who we are. Mm -hmm. Now, conversely, we have people who will come along and they will leave beautiful gifts on the porch of our house. These are things like compliments, other people's mm -hmm. love, acknowledgements, approval, uh, all of these things that in essence have no problem feeling good. If somebody mm -hmm. gives you a compliment, if you get an accolade, if somebody honors you, you're allowed to feel what that feels like. Now, 
just because you bring that and choose to bring that into your home, it doesn't change the worth of the house. It doesn't change the structure. It doesn't change the foundation. It just means you say, hey, that's an energy that I enjoy. I'm going to go ahead and bring that in. So one of my favorite tools for people is to envision when somebody is being critical of you, when they are telling you that you're not operating the way you should, they're making you wrong, they're inflicting guilt, imagine that they're literally standing on the porch of your house with this giant armful of shit trying to hand it to you. Mm -hmm. And Yes. In that instance, you have that opportunity to either establish the boundary or to say, fine, I'll take on all your shit. So my favorite little mantra around that is, oh, I'm currently not accepting any piles of shit. That's what that's what I think of every time I have that opportunity to please other people at the cost of self. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's totally it. So one of the ways I like to talk about people pleasing is that there's nothing innately wrong with the qualities of a people pleaser, right? The qualities of caring about other people about we're usually super empathetic and great doers and anticipate other people's need all these great things. Nothing wrong with that. The what's distorted about it. And the reason why it hurts us is because it's all outer focus. It's all other focused and none of it is inner focus. When we turn it to ourselves and I'm empathetic towards myself. I'm doing for myself. I'm anticipating my needs. (laughs) Then I can do for others out of that overflow. And it's not at the expense of myself. As soon as I prioritize your needs over mine, that now I've just expensed myself so that you can have what you need. That's right. And there's there's two things I want to say about that. One is, and I know you talk about this a lot, that it's not, it, being a people pleaser is not something that you need to be ashamed of. So yeah. if, if we understand that, first of all, it's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. So if we look at, there's four primary uh, fear responses, mm-hmm. fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Fawn is when if you were being attacked by a mountain lion and you tried to appease the mountain lion, if you Uh. were being held captive and you tried to appease your captor, you try to befriend them, you try to people please essentially in order to stay safe. Mm -hmm. So all Mm -hmm. four of these, all four Mm -hmm. of these fear response mechanisms, defense mechanisms have modern iterations. They yes. have evolved into anxiety, depression, procrastination, and fawn, that fawning response has evolved into people-pleasing. Now, when our in-laws are saying stupid shit to us, we're not, we don't think we're actually going to die at, like we think we are right. at the hands of a mountain lion. Right. But we just have a perceived threat. Yes. So that perceived threat then becomes... I need to take care of myself, send in the fawn response, which now is people-pleasing. So I think really being able to recognize that what you've always done is is just try to take care of yourself the best way you know how. Yes, yes, yes. There's no need to demonize these coping mechanisms or pathologize 
our coping mechanisms because they served us. I mean, all those right. ways I fawn, I, I, and I hadn't heard the fawn one. So that's interesting, but it's so true. I fawned, <laughs> if that's a word, yes. and I froze. Yes. That was my MO. Now, some people do the, you know, fight, you know, I, I, I would, I would fly flee, um, too sometimes, but man, I would just freeze, That's which right. turns into silence when, you know, when you're an adult and in a relationship, especially that's a big problem. But as a little girl, holy smokes, that saved me all sorts of, you know, that's right. Negative ramifications for my family. So right. all these things were there to serve us initially. And then we grow to the point where now they're actually not only not serving us, they're hurting us. They're impeding. And it's time to find that new way. Well, so the the second piece that I was going to mention about that and why this is such a direct correlation to our enoughness mm -hmm. is when we choose to silence ourselves, which has been a defense mechanism, right? It's the way we stayed safe for so long. But when we choose to not speak up for, yeah. for our wants, needs, and opinions, we send a subconscious message and reinforce that message over and over and over again that everyone else's wants, opinions, and needs are more important than my own. That's right. So- it, because a lot of times when I present these these tools or these ways to start speaking up for yourself, people who have operated under a people pleasing mentality are like, I fucking hate confrontation. I don't want to do yeah. it. I don't. And I'm like, what you have to understand is we're not doing this to put you in a place where you feel uncomfortable. We're not doing it for the fuck of it. We're doing it for your self worth. We're doing yes. it because every time you speak up for yourself, you nurture that new belief that I matter just as much yes. as anybody else. Yes, 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 yes. Everyone just rewind about 30 seconds and <laughs> listen to that again. It's so true. And it's so funny because even this morning, something came up for me with a potential client. Um, and I remembered, and I, you know, just kind of had forgotten this, that one of the first times I really stood up for myself with my husband, my first husband was to get therapy. Because, oh, uh, of course, I mean, not that th that was great. I got therapy. There were no coaches 30 years ago, you know, or I probably would have done that, but whatever. I knew I needed help. I had no idea why. Like I didn't, I had no concept. I was a people pleaser. I had no, I didn't know anything that was wrong. Okay. I just knew I was depressed and I couldn't pull myself out of it. And I'm such an optimistic person being depressed for me was just like, well, holy fuck, except I never even thought the word fuck then. Uh, <laughs> something <laughs> is wrong, right? right? Something. And I remember saying to him, he was so mad I was going to spend the money. We were pretty broke in fairness to his anger about spending the money. But mm -hmm. I said, I remember saying, if I had a brain tumor, we would not be having a conversation about whether or not we can afford for me to go to the doctor, I, we would just do it. Right. That's right. And he agreed. And I said, okay, that's what this feels like. This feels that important to me. That's right. what it feels like. And, you know, he acquiesced and I, and thank God, you know, went for lots and lots and lots of therapy to start unwinding this for me. Um, but it's so that's a seed planted 
that I planted that day to my own value. Yes. And I didn't know it and I didn't see it that way and, you know, whatever, but it doesn't matter. That's what was happening. And that's the beauty of the inner work, right? right. Because I think it's all the inner work. Nothing's about external stuff. It's all, all the inner work and things are happening that we don't even realize are happening as we're in this movement towards claiming, finding who we truly are as this unique expression of the divine. Never has there been anyone like you or me before. Never will there be again. All of us are this beautiful, unique expression. And every step we take towards standing for that, it starts to plant the seeds of worthiness and and unroot all that shame and guilt and not enoughness. Yes. Well, there's there's two things I want to say about that. One, rewinding a little bit to the four fear responses. And I actually did a show about this on my podcast about the modern iterations of the four fear responses. And if you would normally flee, Mm-hmm. The modern iteration of that is depression. That is why you see oh. people who want to go to sleep all the time, who are yes. massively depressed. We want to go away. We want to run away. We want to flee. So instead of like running away from the tiger, you are, your entire nervous system is depressed. It's shutting down. So, yeah. So yeah. a lot of times you can start looking at that stuff and going, okay, where's the fear here? Is it a fear of success, fear of failure, fear of finances, fear, you know, and again, like you said, it's that internal work. The other thing that I wanted to comment about that you brilliantly articulated here is, is really understanding the importance of us owning our enoughness as women, as people who identify as women or any other type of identity that intersects uh, as an oppressed identity. And here's what I mean by that. If we look at how systems of oppression work, any oppressed party stays oppressed as long as they believe that they are not as valuable. So I can obviously only speak to being a cisgendered, pansexual, white woman, right? Mm-hmm. That's all that I can speak to as far to, as far as intersectionality for me. But what I can say is it is imperative if we are at any of those intersections, whether it's your gender identity, your sexual identity, uh, your how you are in your body, disabled mm-hmm. with a disability or not, um, different levels of income and status. Right. They will pit, you know, systems of oppression will pit marginalized groups against one another to stay not enough. So I tell women all the time for the fucking resistance for our daughters. Yes. Or whatever we call them in the future, you know. Yeah. We absolutely, it is imperative that we believe in our own value to fuck the system of oppression around women. Yes, 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 yes. Can we all stand right now? (laughs) Applaud, cheer, whatever you want to do. But oh my God, that's so fucking true. That is so fucking true. And that is why I say, you know, whatever, every routinely in social media, I'll do a post on 
anti-racism or, yes. you know, something where I'm, I am so not a current events person. Okay. I like, I'm, I just am the opposite of that. So there's nothing about me in my natural way of being in social media that would ever be like, oh, well, this or that happened. And, you know, can you believe the so-and-so happened to so like, you know, it took me days before I heard about George Floyd. Like I, I am so out, I just don't get in current events. Okay. So you can judge me if you want, but that's me. But I, these, I am so aware of what it's like to be in an oppressed system. Yes. That everyone who is in an oppressed system, I will fucking stand with you. That's right. Because we have to stand with each other. Like you say, no, um, you know, one oppressed system against another oppressed system. Like that's not going to win the game, right? right? Like we've got to stand in solidarity for each other, for each other's intrinsic, untouchable value. That's right. That's and right. that's what will stop it. And, and I'm so encouraged. So I have grandchildren that are uh, six, seven, almost six, but whatever, seven and 10. And when I, and of course, I think they've been raised by amazing humans uh, because <laughs> their mothers are my daughters sure. <laughs> and my, and my daughter's married wisely, which is beautiful also. Um, and so these, their dads are so like the, the whole gender thing is completely different. Like these kids are growing up in such a different world than I raised mine in, which thrills mm. me and their attitudes about all these things with these, it, it's so different. It gives me so much hope yes. that by the time we get to, you know, those kids being adults or the beautiful, you know, Amanda Gorman, I mean, that she would run yes. for president in yes. 2037 makes me believe that things are possible, that these That's oppressive right. systems really can be dismantled yes. in my lifetime. I, I completely concur. And there's, there's a, I've gotten myself down this slippery slope of TikTok and I've, I've <laughs> like a, like a good, like a good middle-aged person trying to stay young. So I, I have found myself on this lovely corner of TikTok that is uh, like destructionist TikTok deconstruction. And, uh. and I am so encouraged around how many people are calling out the toxicity that upholds all of that oppression for women, yes. for marginalized communities, for in the indigenous population, for Absolutely. that upholds a lot of that, that it's just get, people are leaving their church in groves and or droves. <laughs> and I just I'm really encouraged by that. And also seeing those yeah. things shift where churches are becoming you know, LGBTQ plus affirming, not just, not just you yes. can come, but yes. we honor yeah. you. So things are shifting, right. but to, to come full circle with all of that, we, you know, as in personal development, it's not that we're just saying, saying it as, you know, a flowery, good idea, right? Like there is definitely the micro view of how it how it permeates your life. And then there's also the meta view of what that means for the world at large. If we all genuinely believed that we mattered and that we are enough. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that would heal the world right there. Yes. That would, that would heal the world because all these oppressors are not doing it because they feel so great about themselves. That may be their persona, right? There's a persona of superiority. Yes. But there's truth in superiority. Right. So it's, it's a false state the same way feeling shamed and not enough is a false state. That's right. 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 It's not the truth of, it's not the truth of who anybody is. And so I think that's why life calls us. And I like to think people are here listening to this podcast for this very reason. Life calls us to what is true. Yes. Life calls us to growing, right? Nature is always, you cut the grass, it grows again. Mm-hmm. Chop the tree down, burn the forest, new growth comes, right? Like it, whatever destruction happens, that in fact leads the way to this new growth. And yeah. so despite our dysfunctional families, churches, governments, people, okay, mm-hmm. there's something innate in us that is still driving us towards truth if we are willing to listen to it that's right that's right yeah yeah so you know i will i'll leave everybody too with a a place to start around all of this let's do it i would love for you to take an inventory of your of your day in and day out life and i want you to look at are there any people that I constantly complain about. So here's what I mean. Most mm-hmm. of the time we can get an indication of where we need to speak up and with whom when we look at who do we constantly complain about. So it mm-hmm. might look like you're really frustrated with your partner, so your best friend gets an earful. Mm-hmm. Or you're really frustrated with your mom, so your partner gets an earful. So you're speaking up, but you're speaking up to the wrong people. Yeah. Now I'm not I'm not talking about venting or just releasing some I'm talking about chronic complaining about something you're not willing to take action on. Yes. Now you're just locking yourself into victimhood. So yes. Start taking a little inventory. Are you always pissed at something your dad does or always frustrated with something your kid, you know, your adult child does or that you don't give voice to because of some kind of a fear, right? So I want Mm -hmm. you to think about what is it that I'm actually afraid of and Mm -hmm. what do I actually need to give voice to as far as that boundary? And I want you to remember that when you go to deliver that or when you go to speak up, that that is a method of you saying, my wants, opinions, and needs are just as important as that other person's. Yes. I'm not better than. Right. It's not that. It's a, I am deserving of this as well. And for me, keeping that meta view of like, this is for the fucking resistance. This is for the resistance, you know, is, it's, is helpful for me. It's not, you know, even as somebody who teaches this and, and my, my podcast has tons of, of tips on this sort of topic, but even as somebody who teaches this, this doesn't mean that if I have a conversation with my best friend that I'm nervous about, that I am void of having the butterflies and being scared. It's right. not that. But if we talk about this fear again, 
It's yeah. that the I like to call it fear optimized to make as useful as possible. We're going to have fear. It's not going away. So how do I make it as useful as possible? I choose courage over and over and over again. You yeah. choose that courage. So and that's what yeah. it is. That confidence is built over a series of engaging with fear and choosing courage over and over. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. I love that. And there's no better place to wrap up than that. Um, so I'm, I'm totally with you. We are sisters in this for sure. Mm-hmm. And that courage that just comes because you just do it. You yes. just show up and you do it, even though you're scared and it's not glamorous and it's not sexy. It's and you probably maybe didn't do it just like you wanted to in your own head or whatever. It doesn't matter because you're showing up and you're doing it for yourself. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And it, that's what builds the courage. We don't get courage and then go do the thing. That's right. right. It, it's never, that's completely backwards. <laughs> the courage comes as we do the thing. You can't have courage without fear. So if you are noticing that fear, awesome. You have an opportunity for courage. Yeah. Beautiful. So tell us, we'll put things in the show notes. Um, I'm sure you have, we'll put a link um, to people for people to get in touch with you. And what else would you like to share with anyone as we wrap up today? Yes. Well, I have tons of free resources for you to get your hands on. And so you can kind of get to know me and my work a little bit more. If you go to thejoyjunkie.com and junkie is J-U-N-K-I-E, thejoyjunkie.com. That is my corner of the internet. You'll see Mm -hmm. that I have a free... Uh, a free workbook there for you called stand up for yourself without being a dick and (laughs) has a bunch of challenges for you a a lot around what we're talking about and the podcast and workshops, all sorts of cool stuff, but go get your hands on that. Yeah. And And we'll um, put that link in the show notes so you can check it out there, but that's easy enough to thejoyjunkie.com. That's awesome. All right, Amy, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time and for everything that you've given Uh, the listeners today on this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Thank you, Brenda. I've had a blast. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I've got some extra bonuses for you today. So check out the show notes. You will see a link to download my free training. This is the newest training I have. It's called People Pleasers Power Training. It's a video series and worksheet that will take you through a very specific process where you will take your power back from a relationship or a situation that has you feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, frustrated, angry, all of the above. So grab that. I also have people ask me about how they actually work with me. And so the easiest way to do that is to book a 15 minute call. So you'll see that link in the show notes and we'll have a conversation about whether now is the right time, whether I'm the right coach and how you would like to engage in that with me. There's also the link to my private Facebook group, Liberate Your People Pleaser. It's a great place to get additional resources and be in a like-minded community. You can also submit a question through the show notes. There's a link for you to tell me what it is that you're wondering, a topic you'd like for me to address on a future episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. So thank you for being here as always. If you can take the time to do it, I love it. If you put a five-star review on the podcast server that you get this podcast from, that always helps us get out to more listeners 
So thank you so much. And thank you for being with me on the journey to liberate our people pleasers. <laughs>